0: Follow Winnie Taylor's 4th and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more.
1: Some people say that I should study to become a climate scientist so that I can solve the climate crisis. But the climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. All we have to do is to wake up and change.
2: There are millions of me. Isn't that a weird thought? There are millions and millions of teens thinking exactly the same things about the planet and our future. There are millions of people who share so many of the same hopes and fears who can relate to each other in this super important way. Isn't that awesome? And crazy? Sorry, I'm getting kind of deep. But seriously, when I look around me and the world seems, how should I put this? Literally on fire? One of the only things that makes me feel a little bit better is knowing that I'm not alone. That those millions of other teens and students are sitting around that same fire, hopefully toasting vegan marshmallows. I'm Sarah, and this is The Big Melt. There's this feeling right now as more and more teens realize that we're the ones who'll be around when the consequences of climate change happen. More and more of us are demanding a say. And I think a big part of that is the way activists and leaders have brought us together and made us feel like our voices matter. People like Greta, who is 10,000% amazing. Greta started out small, really small. Her first school strike basically qualifies as skipping school, but like with a really good reason. It was just her standing up for what she believes in outside the Swedish parliament explaining why she was there to anyone who asked. And then other students and teachers joined her every Friday for her Fridays for Future initiative. Then within months, students in over 24 countries took part in similar school strikes. Then 30. Then 135. A little over a year later, she was like on the cover of Time magazine, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize and addressing United Nations. Girl boss. It's hard to even wrap your head around how quickly her ideas have spread, especially since she's not the first or only young environmental activist. People like indigenous water rights activist Autumn Pelletier or African-American little Miss Flint Mari Copeny have been raising their voices right alongside her. Girl bosses. But whatever the reason, Greta captured people's imaginations and made the right people angry. Seriously, we should thank all the climate change deniers who have spilled gallons of ink hating on her. They spread her message almost as well as she does. But let's hear what my friends have to say about her.
3: Greta Thunberg is a Swedish climate
1: activist and she's like a kid too. She's like an aspiring role model for us to like, oh look at her, she's young like us, let's protest. Yeah, we're probably more
2: prevalent to listen to her because she's closer to our age range um, because we're usually
1: thinking, adults, nah, whatever. Like, it'd be different if a 40-year-old was doing it for us because like, then all the 40-year-olds
0: would know what they're talking about, but like we wouldn't really get
2: them. She's not going to school because she like focused on the environment. She does not care about her education right now. She's trying to save the earth so she can have an education later.
1: Um, I think her acts are good, but uh, if I was her, I would take action
2: in another way. I would stay at school and study biology. That's what I want to do when I grow up because I think it's very serious. But if she didn't do that, governments wouldn't know that people want Uh, action on climate change, I think. I think she's amazing. She's doing a lot for the world, and she's bringing a lot of awareness. And I know that there's a lot of people who
1: don't like her, but... I like her. She inspires a lot of people, and she's very courageous and brave to be where she is right now.
2: Aya, totally agree. She inspires me too. Her ability to focus people, the way she directs conversations towards what really matters? Brill. I love her passion, her bravery, how she speaks the truth to powerful people. Seriously, how satisfying is it to watch a teen girl in pigtails own a room full of businessmen and politicians? Ugh, so satisfying. She stays true to who she is in the face of enormous criticism, as well as under the allure of enormous success. I mean, come on. It would be so easy for her to just become the face of the environmental movement, to just do events and receive awards. But Greta's different. She turned down an award to avoid flying. She sailed a boat to America. She really lives her convictions every moment of every day, always. It's intense. Actually, part of what's so awesome about the school strike movement Greta's inspired is that when you get a sense that other people are trying, it makes you try harder. Like one classmate is creating a compost program, another is getting a petition signed, and I, well, I'm making this podcast. I hope it helps other people try harder too. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes, Kyle? It does. <laughs> what? Well,
1: I printed my lyrics on both sides of the paper because of you. Really? Yeah, because I love you and I love the planet. Really? Yeah. So, can I have my dance face back now?
2: No. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, fine. It's worth a try. Uh, where was I? Um... Oh yeah, Uh, I'm actually really curious how it feels to be an activist. Like how it feels to have your voice heard and know that you're there setting an example, uh, leading the way. The environmental club at my school actually has a contact in Australia. Her name is Varsha Yajman and she's a member of the national leadership team for the Australian Youth Climate Coalition and part of the School Strike for Climate team. She was even on Australian TV. And recently went to Germany to speak at the general meeting of a company about their financial support of an Australian coal mine. And she's really awesome, so she said I could give her a call. Hmm. Let's do that. Man, I hope I got the time difference right. Hi, Varsha? Hi. Hi, it's Sarah from Canada. Is it a good time
1: to talk? Yeah, it is.
2: What time is it there? Oh, I I didn't wake you up, right? No.
1: (laughs) but it's about seven thirty in the morning on a thursday
2: oh thursday here it's still wednesday that's so confusing yeah. you're already one day closer than me to the weekend <laughs> uh is it okay that i ask you a few questions for my podcast the big melt
1: yeah sure thank you so much for having
2: me okay so i've been stalking your instagram and i saw how you've been speaking at marches and on tv how does it feel to be one of the leaders of the climate strike in your area Um, it's a bit strange. Like, I
1: never thought I'd be doing something like this, I guess. I'm so grateful for all the opportunities, and it's been really nice to be able to represent a lot of my generation and just, like, the climate movement in general. Um, I've, like, I've realized how intersectional the entire movement is, and that's been so empowering for me. So, yeah. Cool. So,
2: can you tell me what specifically you're trying to achieve with this school strike for climate movement?
1: Um, So, originally it started off with just kind of like mobilizing people and making sure that they're aware. And like our first strike had that main intention of just getting public awareness. But um, now it's becoming a lot more specific and focused on the idea of like a just transition. So, making sure that we're able to really move away from the coal industry and getting renewable jobs that, you know, have good working conditions and are sustainable.
2: That's super important. So, Do you think that people listen more or less because you're younger?
1: Um, I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think with some people, they're quite intrigued that young people are standing up and speaking and, you know, having their say about their future and then a lot of other people are saying that you know our views aren't as valid because we don't have as much experience but I think the point is that we're not going to be able to get any experience if we don't have a sustainable future so
2: yeah yeah that makes sense now I know that being an activist and being involved all the time with climate change actions can be really tough sometimes can you tell me what you do when you find yourself overwhelmed um
1: yeah it it feels a bit overwhelming sometimes especially like when we're having calls every day um and just like even in my social media feed it's usually about climate change and everywhere you go it just seems to be a lot of sadness sometimes especially in australia with the bushfires that we had and we also had flooding like every night on the news it's just about that um so i think the best way to cope with it is just making sure that you're surrounded by people who support you. And what I found is that in this movement, people are really supportive and they're really nurturing with those emotions. And you're able to say that I need to um, take a step back and just take a break from everything. And I think that's helped a lot. So being able to say no to things and also just being able to delete an app or like turn
2: off the TV at, at some point. Yeah, it's important to know when to have a break. And yeah, the bushfires. That was so crazy. Yeah. Did it actually get close to where you live?
1: Um, so a lot of my friends had to evacuate. And then a few suburbs away from where I live, we did have a bushfire as well. Um, luckily, it didn't spread too far, so it was okay. But, um, yeah, just, like, seeing a lot of my friends and family have to, like, deal with the bushfires on that level. And then we had floods right after, and my place got a bit flooded as well. So it was just a lot to take in in a very short period of time.
2: That sounds really horrifying. I'm so sorry to hear that. But um, was it also kind of a wake up call for people? Have people become more aware about the urgency of action on climate change because
1: of the bushfires? Yeah, for sure. Um, We had a snap action like a couple on the day that the worst bushfires happened, and the amount of people that turned up was insane, and we'd only announced it about a day or two before. So it was really a wake up call for all of Australia and I think the world in general to see that climate change is happening and that we really do need to do something about it right now. Yeah, let's
2: hope it continues this way and more and more people will wake up. Okay. Now, in addition to big actions like strikes, marches, etc., what are things that you do as an
1: individual to live more green in your life? Mm. Um, so just moving away from bits of plastic, I think that was one of the first things that I did. Um, or like I moved to being a vegan very, very recently, like a few weeks ago. Um, just those kinds of things. And also I think trying to keep in my mind that it's not always all or nothing. I think that's a bit of a stigma in these movements that you have to be like a hundred percent green or, you know, you're not really a climate person or you're not really supporting climate action. Um, so just little things like taking shorter sure showers and making sure to turn off, like, power switches off um, when I'm not using them. Just, yeah.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It can start from the little things. Yeah, exactly. So my final question to you, what advice
1: would you give to other
2: teens who want to get involved?
1: Um, Just do it as soon as possible. Like, I really... I don't know what's stopping you because there's so many different ways to get involved now. Like just text the um, local group that you have. I'm sure they have like a Facebook page or Instagram or just go to a local action and speak to people. Um, It's one of the most like welcoming and accepting spaces I've seen. So um, I'm sure that like, they'll be happy to have you along and you know, any good that you can bring is is amazing.
2: Yeah. Each of our actions as individuals and movements can Really makes so much difference. Yeah. And that's why I really admire all that you're doing. It sounds amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much for answering my questions. Yeah. No,
1: thank you for having me. Have
2: a good uh, afternoon. Have a good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. I'll be right back after this message. Okay. I'm back.
3: The Big Melt.
2: That was so great to hear what Varsha is doing and her experiences and the fact that she's also a teen. It really makes me want to get involved, but then it's a bit trickier when you think about what type of actions to take, like how extreme you have to be in your personal life or in movements. Varsha was saying that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Okay, let's go get some fresh air to clear our heads. Be right back. Much better now. I found a cozy little spot here in the park. So, where were we? Yeah, there's like the little things like no candy that comes in packaging or fruits shipped overseas. But there are also bigger sacrifices. Um, Things like no flying to visit grandma. I don't have access to a solar-powered sailboat. We aren't sailboats the OG wind-powered vehicle? Also, how would I sail to Saskatchewan? What I mean is, okay, how do I put this into words? Like, I know that leaders are supposed to set an example that they strive to be their absolute best to show other people the way, but I think for most people, there's a little distance between their ideals and how they actually live. But all of this was just about our personal choices in our own lives. How about the choices of organizations and movements on how far they should go with their actions? Have you heard about Extinction Rebellion? (laughs) They're really not playing around. They're the ones who protested it in London dressed as robots, like a performance art piece. They support civil disobedience, which is like being annoying, but for a really important cause. Their website suggests non-violent direct action, which includes everything from attending debates and chanting to blocking roads to protesting in the nude to gluing themselves to buildings. Talk about sticking it to the man. They say they're super careful not to put anyone at risk, but even the group is aware that they're extreme. Extinction Rebellion co-founder Gail Bradbrook is quoted saying we have to step up in a semi-miraculous way. (laughs) She's not kidding. The group demands that world governments declare a climate emergency and reduce emissions to net zero by 2025. So, like, that would require entire cities to go vegan and stop flying altogether. It's hard to imagine a world where no one eats bacon or goes on vacation. And... Sometimes it's hard to know if groups like these are having a positive effect. Their protests in London in April cost the city seven and a half million pounds. I support their cause, but that seems kind of wasteful. I don't know, do you think that extreme protesting like this is the only way to get people's attention? Stopping traffic and just generally being pretty punk rock? Or do you prefer marches with signs or painting murals. Oh, that reminds me. Something kind of interesting happened in Edmonton that shows the other side of how extreme things can get. There was an artist who painted this big, beautiful mural of Greta on a graffiti wall. And right after he finished it, another dude just showed up and wrote, stop the lies. This is oil country, like right across her face. And what's really interesting is that a journalist actually caught him doing it and was able to ask him why. He said, this is Alberta. This is oil country. My father has worked in the oil industry, and we don't need foreigners coming in and telling us how to run our businesses, support our families, put food on our table. The man talked about how his father, who had recently passed away, worked in the oil fields his whole life. And while I don't agree with his viewpoint, he's not wrong about one thing. Edmonton is oil country. Almost 30% of the people who live there earn their living because of the fossil fuel industry. Like, don't get me wrong. Change has to happen. But I empathize. Climate change means enormous life changes for a lot of people. And that's scary. It can also be pretty unfair to feel like the world blames you for this huge problem when all you were doing was making a living and supporting your family just like everyone else. So, like, in a perfect world, all the people in the oil and gas industry would be able to start working in green renewable energy. And like I'm, I'm sure some of them will, but not all. And my earlier griping about not getting to eat mangoes or fly is nothing compared to people who might lose their jobs. It's a super high stakes situation for them. So the journalist who reported this story actually went to the artist who painted the original mural and asked him how he felt about the whole situation. He was surprisingly chill. And I actually love his answer. He said, it's a free wall. It provides a place for the city to talk to itself. One of my favorite things about that wall is that anyone is allowed to express themselves there. As frustrating as it must be to see a portrait of a beautiful, strong person written over, in a way, the graffiti made it more meaningful. I mean, it went from being a picture of Greta to being a picture of the entire situation we're in. All the hope and will to change alongside all the fear and anger. It actually helped me understand the people who don't see the situation the same way I do. okay so understanding people who have a different point of view is important and to do that you have to talk to people about how they really feel about climate change but even with people who share a similar point of view it can be tough to talk about it without feeling like you're blaming someone for not doing enough or feel guilty yourself my science teacher gave me the number of brianna Aspinall from carbon conversations toronto She created a safe space to talk about climate change and to discuss the different actions we can take. Hmm. Uh, Let me text her. (whistles) Oh, that's really brilliant. Yeah, totally. For sure. Oh, wait. Maybe I should call her so you can hear her
3: too. Hello? Uh, Hi, Brianna. Oh, hi, Sarah.
2: Thanks so much for talking to me. Oh, yeah, of course. I wanted to talk to you about the best way to talk about climate change with people and how to deal with all the different emotions that topic brings up. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, if you can tell me a little bit about Carbon Conversations Toronto, what's it all about?
3: Yeah, so the problem that we're trying to address is that we know that people care and are concerned about climate change. At the same time, that doesn't seem to be enough. To lead to action. We think that this is kind of happening because it's just normal that when you think about climate change, you might feel a little bit overwhelmed or anxious or helpless, which can then lead to our wonderful brain to kind of protect us and make it so that we are avoiding some of these emotions and potentially ignoring them. So that's basically where Carbon Conversations comes in. We're trying to normalize climate action. So this means that people are able to talk about climate change, how they feel about it. They can start feeling part of a community and then they'll be able to have that kind of motivation and courage and then start finding their own approach to their personal kind of lifestyle changes. And then ideally also uh, start uh, learning more about how to join collective movements.
2: That sounds awesome. And yeah, uh, starting to act is the hardest. It did take me a lot of courage to start this podcast. What made you start Carbon Conversations in Toronto?
3: Yeah, I mean, we talk about this, like, we're going to reduce these emissions and we're going to adapt our infrastructure. But I was like, what about the humans? Like, what about us and how we can process such a big challenge that we're facing right so we have a friend who's a counselor and she kind of directed me to carbon conversations uk and i really love that model because it acknowledged that we're human and not fully rational and that we needed to think about just our our values and who we are as we try to tackle climate change
2: yeah it sounds like a great approach you spoke about values and that's a big thing for me Our personal actions are so important in fighting climate change, but sometimes it is so hard to be aware all the time. Yeah. How can you make sure to live up to your values?
3: I don't really think we can always live up to our our values. Like, we are complex humans. Our systems are pretty complex. We have control, but we don't have full control. So I think it's like important to always strive to live to your values and do your very best but also be kind to yourself in terms of like knowing that you might not always be able to achieve it because then you can get stuck in and in, in guilt or shame which are kind of poor motivators so just kind of keeping that balance of like trying your very best being kind with yourself and then always keeping challenging yourself to continue to be better i guess in this climate journey huh
2: Yeah, I'll definitely try to do this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us all your thoughts about it and explaining more about Carbon Conversations Toronto.
3: Yeah, thank you. And text anytime. All right, have a good one. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: She said bye, guys. Also, winky face. So, we well, spoke about activism and the best approach to different points of view, but some points of view can be a little off. And that leads me into the climate myth of the week. So this week's climate myth is that they changed the name of global warming to climate change because there was no significant warming. <laughs> Ugh. Sorry, but ugh, like, first off, who are they? Can I talk to them? Are they scientists? Journalists? Highly advanced penguins? Ugh. At least with some of the other myths, I get to engage with poorly interpreted facts or cherry-picked data. But this one reads like an urban legend. Like, seriously, some shadowy they decided what we would all call worldwide environmental phenomena? No, I don't think so. Because here's the newsflash. They're not synonyms. Those terms describe two different things that yes, while connected, they're not interchangeable. Say it with me, not interchangeable. So just to make sure we all understand, let's explain once and for all exactly what these two terms mean. Global warming refers to the long-term trend of a rising average global temperature. So, the greenhouse effect. You've all heard this a million times. It's the human-made increase in greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, that trap the heat radiation that is usually released from Earth to outer space. This trapped extra heat leads to a rise in average global temperatures, hence global warming. Climate change, on the other hand, refers to changes in the global climate which result from the increased average global temperature. In other words, Climate change is the result of global warming. One follows the other. Climate change, with all its weather variation, flooding, droughts, and even snowstorms, is a side effect of overall global warming. Because adding extra heat, extra energy, to the global system makes all the weather more violent. This is why we sometimes experience global warming as much colder winters, or hail, or out-of-season cold spells. So, in summation, they didn't change the name of global warming. Global warming and climate change are two terms that have been used in scientific literature since the 70s to describe different things. And because the overall warming of the planet affects and disrupts weather systems in a bajillion different ways, making them more extreme, sometimes, yeah, global warming results in colder temperatures. Whether they like it or not. This myth was busted. So protests, extremeness, mass movements, we did it all this week. Art got political, politics got arty and crazy, and I was lucky enough to talk to so many activists and students and student activists who really inspired me. I feel like I understand both sides of the situation better. The people who want change and the people who are really afraid of it. We may not agree, but we all got to share the planet. So I guess we'll have to figure it out. All right. What can I say about next week? Uh, Winter's coming. Or I'll be going to it. (laughs) That was dorky. The point is, there's going to be an Avalanche of cool content coming your way. Ready for the cold hard facts? Hmm? Leader Dudes, Sarah out. We can keep our world on fire.
1: Fire.
2: The Big Melt podcast is brought to you by Earth Rangers and hosted by Sarah Marks. It is written by Lee Lawson, directed by Stefan Richter, and edited by Nitai Steinberg. Production assistance by Avneet Sandu. To learn more about today's episode or leave us a message, go to bigmeltpodcast.com. You can also take a quick survey for a chance to win a custom t-shirt. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. And come on, show you care with five stars, please. Later, skaters.
1: everyone I'm Jeremy I'm Autumn and I'm Jasper and we're, and we're a GZM family <laughs> and we want you to listen to our favorite show Becoming Mother Nature I love the one with the green reaper and the zombies yeah
0: three years ago Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about holidays past now she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers six minutes out of time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.